Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. What if, what if there were 10 words that if you would put these 10 words into practice in your life, they would change every relationship in your life? What if those 10 words came from Scripture? What if you knew that you could believe them and rely upon them because they came from the the Word of God? What if you put those 10 words into your life and saw God change every single relationship in your life? Well, I've got good news for you today. There are those 10 words from Scripture, and we're going to look at them today in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And if you will take these words, like the other passages that we have looked at in this series, and put them into practice with God's help in your life, it will be a game changer. That's the name of our series, and we're looking at life verses from my life and the lives of uh, the other pastors that have been a part of this series that have changed our life. They've been game changers for us. And so I want to share with you these 10 words that can change your life. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And here's where we get those 10 words, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now, I want to unpack these 10 words, this game-changer passage for you uh, this morning. So let's break it down one bite at a time. Let's start with the first three words. You must all be quick to listen. And I want to start our understanding of this by having all of us ask ourselves a question. Those of you here on the lower floor those of you sitting in the balcony, those watching online, every one of us, I want you to ask yourself this question. When I'm with other people, do I talk so much that I monopolize the conversation? In other words, I'm asking you, are you an over-talker? Now, if you are, that's okay. I tend to, to be an over-talker sometimes. I, I speak for a living, and, and it's just kind of a natural fault that I can fall into an over-talker. But you probably have never thought of this. If you are an over-talker, you are sending some unsaid, subtle messages with your over-talking. Here's one of the messages you're sending. What I have to say is more important than what you have to say, so just be quiet and listen to me. Or this message. Whatever you've got going on in your life, it's not as important as what's going on in my life. So why don't you just 
listen to me. That's what, now, we would never say that, or at least I hope we wouldn't, but those are the kind of unsaid messages that over-talkers seem to communicate. Now, contrast that to people who are good listeners. And you know who I'm talking about, don't you? People who really know how to listen. Good listeners send these messages. I care about what's going on in, what's going on in your life. I care enough to listen to what you have to say. Or they send this message. I think what you have to say is important enough for me to give you my undivided attention. Do you have a good listener in your life? Uh, if you do, they are pure gold. You know, the Scripture invites us, in fact, it commands us to enter into each other's lives. And there's no better way to do that than to be a good listener. Look what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 15 and 16. He said, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And I love the end of this verse. And don't think you know it all. I love the New Living Translation. What James is saying in these first three words of the ten words that we're focusing on this morning is simply this. We must learn to listen more than we talk. We must learn to listen more than we talk. Now, I, I want to clarify something here. This is a subtle thing, but it's absolutely crucial in understanding this. And here it is. There's a big difference between merely hearing and truly listening. Have you ever talked to someone or tried to, and it's like their mind is somewhere else? Their thoughts are somewhere else? Their eyes may even be. It's really bad when they look at their watch, you know, or their phone. And they're hearing you, but they're not truly listening. What James is talking about here is truly listening to someone. Because people who are good listeners... Oh, listen, they really are pure gold. I, I'm going to make this statement. It's a little bit long, but follow me, okay? There are few things that help people more than someone who is willing to really listen to them and care about what they have to say. I believe that. There are few people that help other people more than those who will really listen to you. Uh, and sometimes it's not that they're wanting you to find a solution. Now, we men are kind of wired, even if you're not a, a do-it-yourselfer. I'm not. I can't fix anything. But a lot of you guys, are, you know, you can fix just about any, anything that's mechanical or, you know, whatever. I hate you. But anyway, you're, we're, we're wired to be fix-it people. But sometimes people are not looking for us to fix it. They just want somebody to listen to us, somebody to truly listen. And if we're an over-talker, we can't be a good listener. And, and let me just give you a little bit of encouragement. If you have a good listener, or maybe more than one, if you have a good listener in your life, don't drown them with words. Don't make them feel like they're drinking from a fire hose. Say what's on your heart 
Share what's happening in your life that they need to hear and you need to share. But, but don't just flood them with words. Don't abuse their value to you. Because to have a good listener is a true treasure. James starts out by saying, you must all be quick to listen. And then he says, slow to speak. Now he's not talking about speaking slowly. He's saying, think before you speak. Here's, here's what James says. He, he realizes, probably more than any other New Testament writer, the power of our words. And he expands on that in the third chapter of his book. And by the way, we're going to, to teach all the way through the book of James. It's a great New Testament letter later on in the year. But look with me for the moment at James chapter 3, beginning with verse 2. He said, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And the word there in the Greek is teleos. It doesn't mean perfect as with it, you know, this person has no fault. It means complete, mature. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And then he applies these images to our lives. Verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I mean, you think of the California wildfires or even the, the wildfires that we had here a few years ago. Uh, they all start with just a, just a spark, and yet it spreads destruction. And verse 6, and all, among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. James is saying, don't underestimate the power of your words. They are powerful. And he's not just talking about uh, the obvious sinful speech, you know, uh, gossip or slander or, or unjust criticism and so forth. He's, he's talking about the subtle things such as words that we say without thinking that we later wish we could take back. You ever had that in your life? You would say words and later on you wish you could take them back. Uh, he's saying to us, listen, don't let your mouth get ahead of your mind. It always gets us into trouble. I, I cannot tell you how many times I have stuck my size 10s right in my mouth by saying things I shouldn't say. And it's even worse uh, if you're a preacher and you do it in a sermon. I mean, it's bad enough if it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but if you happen to speak to hundreds of people at a time, uh, then, then it's really bad. And I've done that when you've been preaching as long as I have. Uh, you've got stories that you really don't want to tell. And I almost did that this week. 
Uh, you know, in all of our sermons here at Magnolia's First, we have what we call the big idea. Uh, and we try to summarize the, the theme and the content of the sermon in, in a short, memorable, one sentence or two brief sentence uh, statement. And so you may remember last week if you were here for the sermon about worry, uh, my big idea was worry is a sin, faith is God's better option. Some of you remembered that all the way until you got into your car. I mean, it was, it was great. So this week I'm trying to think, okay, how do I summarize these 10 words out of James 1.19? How, how do I summarize that in a brief? And, and it just, it, this came to me and I thought, this is brilliant. Okay, this is, this is brilliant. And so I couldn't wait to get home and tell my wife uh, what my big idea was going to be. And I said, honey... I, I've got it. I, this, this is going to be my big idea. Listen up, shut up, and calm down. Yeah? I, and it got real quiet. And in her own kind, very sweet way, she said, uh, I don't know if it's a good idea to tell our people to shut up. And, and I responded as any mature man of God would respond. I pouted. <laughs> I did. I pouted. And I had my feelings hurt. I thought it was pretty clever. But it wasn't long until that still, small voice of God's Spirit, you heard, you, you heard that voice before, said, hey, I think it was something like, hey, dummy. Uh, she's right. Thoughtless words. She's right. And, and, and thoughtless words, listen, whether it's in a sermon or a one-on-one -on -one conversation, thoughtless words are almost never helpful. Almost never helpful. I love Proverbs. If you've never read the book of Proverbs, especially from the New Living Translation, uh, you should do that. I mean, it, it, they're just incredible statements. Uh, here's one, Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> uh, anybody of you ever watched the show NCIS on television? Any, anybody? Well, it's been on a whole bunch of seasons, but the, the main character up until this season uh, was played by an actor named Mark Harmon. And he plays the character of Special Agent Gibbs. And I think he never had any trouble memorizing his lines for the show because he only said about 14 words an episode. I mean, his character was just one of those. Somebody would, you know, rattle off a whole bunch of stuff and he'd just kind of look at them. And maybe we need to be, maybe not that mute, but maybe we need to be a little bit more like Special Agent Gibbs that we're not always filling the air with words. Here's some good advice about thinking before you speak, something that I have failed at often and even recently. Think about who your hearer is and how your words might impact them. 
before you speak them, before they come out of your mouth, before they hear what you have to say that's thoughtless, think about who it is you're talking to and how is that going to land in their life. If we think first, our words will be so much more effective. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2. A gentle answer deflects anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. Then I love verse 2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. What James is saying to us is this. The most powerful muscle in your body is in your mouth. It has the power to bless or curse. It has the power to build up or tear down. It has the power to heal wounds or inflict them. We are to be slow to speak. Uh, do you remember years ago, people used to wear bracelets and there were bumper stickers that said WWJD, you remember that? What would Jesus do? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, what would Jesus say? And be slow to speak. Well, he goes on, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Slow to get angry. Uh, Dalton said this before, and he's right. It's not a sin to get angry. In fact, anger can be... Uh, an unintentional emotional response. There's not sin in anger. Jesus got angry, did he not? He got angry at the people who had turned the worship at the temple into a, a scam that was lining their own pockets. He got angry at the Pharisees because they had turned devotion to God into rule-based, pride-filled, empty religion. Jesus got angry. And so it's not wrong to get angry. The problem is we don't often get angry at the right things. We don't get angry often at the things that make God angry. We get often angry at the things that we don't like, that aren't going the way we want them to go. Listen, if, if you are a Christ follower... If there has been a time in your life that you realized that you were a sinner and that you had no hope of eternal life apart from Christ and you understood that Jesus is the Son of God, you believed that, you understood that he shed his blood that we sang about on the cross, not because he deserved to die that way, but because we did for our sin. If you turned your back on the sin of your past, the Bible calls that repentance, and you stepped across the line of faith and trusted in Jesus Christ, and you became not by your merit, but by God's grace through faith, a Christ follower, if that has happened to you, then the Scripture, which is our guide for life and eternity, tells us that we are to be new people, not by our own efforts, but by the transformative work of God in our lives. We are to be continually learning and living what it means to be more like 
Jesus. Theological term, sanctification. We're on a faith journey of becoming more like Jesus. And the scripture is our guide to know what that looks like and how that happens. And so I want you to see just a a snapshot of that from Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 4 beginning with verse 21. Paul says this to those early believers, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Pause there. Pastor Milt preached on Romans 12, 1 and 2, that's been a game changer in his life and in my, my life. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, let God change you, let him transform you by changing the way you think. And he's bringing that theme back here in that verse, verse 23. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What would that look like? Verse 25, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And then the two verses that are most relevant to our passage today, verse 26 and 27, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, I've most often heard those two verses in the context of of marriage, and and they certainly apply there. But sometimes I I think we narrow the application of Scripture down too narrowly, and we don't see its broadest implications. Uh, I've heard people say this means that if you and your spouse have a fight uh, at night, then don't go to sleep until you resolve it, like we've got a sunset deadline to get this worked out. When in real life, sometimes I need to sleep on it for God to work on my hard head about how I have mishandled it or said things I shouldn't have said that I need forgiveness for. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room or watching. That, that, that's, but, so don't just apply it to that. But he's saying, don't let conflict go unresolved as much as it depends on you. And if you have sinned by speaking or acting in anger, then then swallow your pride and own it. And do what you can do. You can't control anybody else, but do what you can do to seek forgiveness and restitution. Don't let anger control your life. And here's a reality and I'm not trying to offend anybody, and I don't know who you are, but God does, and you do. I'm speaking to some people here in this room, watching online, listening to the podcast. I'm speaking to some people that you've got an anger problem. It's a problem in your life, and you know it's a problem in your life, but pride is keeping you from doing what you need to do to deal with it, and the Apostle Paul does not let us off the hook. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold 
to the devil. Why would we voluntarily give the devil a foothold in our heart? If anger is an issue, the book of James, the book of Ephesians and elsewhere tells us, let God deal with it. Paul goes on to expand on this, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Now we read that and some would say, Paul, why do you even put that in there? God's people wouldn't speak like that, would they? Huh. I, I'm a, can I just be real honest here? I'm appalled at the, at the few little conversations I've become aware of as a pastor of the way that husbands and wives can speak to one another. People who know Jesus. People who have the Holy Spirit. Paul says, don't do that. Don't use foul or abusive language. Look instead. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And this next part just grabs me. Verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Paul is saying, hey, guys, you're a child of God. Act like it. Remember who you belong to. Swallow your pride. Own your part. Make it right. And he says, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That's an ugly picture, but thank God he turns it over and gives us the contrast. Verse 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let me give you some biblical advice. If I had been asked to write a proverb, I probably would have put this in there. He didn't ask me, but I think some biblical advice. Don't speak when you're angry. Just, just clamp it shut. Don't speak when you're angry. Why? Because your words will often be those you'll regret. And I'm going to tell you something you already know. You listening? Once you say it, you can't take it back. We can say, oh, I didn't mean it, or, or we can try to explain it away, or we can try to point blame at the other person to deflect it off of us, or rationalize it, or you don't know what I've been going through. All that kind of. But once we speak it, we really can't take it back. So how much better not to speak in anger words we can't take back because when we speak or act in anger we're usually unleashing our pain on someone who doesn't deserve it who doesn't deserve it so what do we do with all this how do we respond two two words of encouragement and I'm done here's the first if these are issues in your faith journey Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. 
If these are issues in your faith journey that need to be addressed, then begin to be diligent to exercise Holy Spirit-empowered self-control. I'm not saying try harder to do better. God's going to be mad at you. No, Holy Spirit-empowered self-control. Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I'm saying turn it over to the Lord and begin to make wise choices to put him in control and not your emotions. Second word. If you need help to bring anger under control in your life. If when I was talking about people who have anger issues, you felt like I was talking to you, I wasn't, but God was. If that's what you're dealing with, and you've struggled but it's not working, then let your church help you. We have worked hard to establish ministries to help one another. Let me tell you about two of them. The first one is M1 Freedom Prayer Ministry. This is a team of prayer warriors who will pray for you, who will pray with you, and if you would like, they will pray over you. Lay hands on you and pray for you to be delivered. However you are comfortable with having them involved in praying for this issue in your life, M1 Freedom Prayer Ministry is there for you. Don't be too proud to say, I need prayer. And you can connect with them by going to our website, m1bc.org, and hit the Grow tab, and it'll pull down a menu and click on Prayer Team. And that'll give you a way to connect with M1 Freedom Prayer Ministry. Now, that is a prayer ministry, not a counseling ministry. And some people who struggle, especially with anger, need Christian counseling, biblically-based counseling. Our church has that ministry. We make it available at very minimal expense to those who receive it because we don't want that to be an issue. And that same tab, the Grow tab, Life Touch Christian Counseling. We have biblically-based Christian counselors that we will connect you with confidentially, and they will help you walk through deliverance from that foothold you've allowed the devil to have in your heart. Listen, the body of Christ exists to help one another. And we're here to help you. We, as Christ followers, are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power and clarity of the Word of God that you show us how to live a Christ-honoring life. And it's hard in this fallen world. There's sin and struggle and pain and confusion all around us, and yet greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And you are here for us, and the body of Christ is here for one another. And so I pray that in each of our lives, these issues would come into alignment 
with that which would honor Christ and reveal him to others in every one of our lives. And help all of us to know that if we need help, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that we exist to encourage and to walk alongside each other. Thank you for all of those who have come to worship today. Thank you for those who have been watching online, wherever they might be. Thank you for those who have been listening to this at a later time. And may the Word of God find lodging in our hearts so that we might be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In your name we pray. Amen.